Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Today we will continue with part two of a podcast we started with Don Hooser about NOAA and the Noatian Flood. did, thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So that's quite a nice compliment for Noah. Uh, would that be true of all of us, that whatever God tells us, we do it? One of the heroes of faith, a distinguishing characteristic is that they obey whatever God says. All right. Yeah, there's such an uh, intimate relationship between faith and obedience. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. So I want to comment on this verse. First of all, some people think that uh, all of humanity was, they were vegetarians until after the flood, but why why would uh, Noah even know what the meaning of the word clean is if, uh, if there was not a distinction prior to the flood of uh, the clean animals that could be, God permits us to eat, and the unclean animals that God forbids us to eat. And so I personally uh, believe that uh, they were not vegetarians before the flood, but of course, I don't really need to know um, everything, but that's just my my opinion. And that's why. And then also, there's a question about how many of the clean animals. Now, some Bibles just say seven, and some some Bibles translate that as seven pairs. I uh, the Hebrew. It's interesting how the Hebrew puts it. It's seven seven. You shall take with you seven seven each of every clean animal. So as I understand it, that's a Hebrew way of saying seven pairs. Mm -hmm. And so um, most of us believe that uh, it was indeed seven pairs, which is certainly uh, very uh, logical uh, that uh, you need more than just two, because if you're going to sacrifice clean animals uh, after the flood and maybe even eat some animal flesh during the flood, uh, you you um, you have to have more than just two. So uh, it seems certainly indicated here, plus logical uh, that uh, this is seven pairs. So that's fourteen. Another fact factor is that uh, if you had a, if you had seven, that's an odd number. That means that uh, you'd either have four males and three females or four females and three males. And, uh, and so then there would be one animal that could not mate later on. So that's another factor to consider indicating that this is uh, refers to seven pairs, mm -hmm. each of every clean animal. And then um, verse three, also seven, each of the birds of the air, male and female to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. The Bible does teach that there are clean birds and unclean birds. And so one thing that puzzles me that I don't have a, uh, even a, much of an opinion about is, is why uh, there's no distinction here between clean birds and unclean birds. 
uh, and is this seven again? Is this seven or is this seven pairs? Uh, but uh, it doesn't say anything about clean versus unclean regarding uh, the birds. Uh, verse four: For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. So after they got on the ark, they just sat there for seven days before it started raining. Verse 5, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So here's another mention of how obedient Noah was. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. Interesting, he lived 350 years after the flood. So he lived to be 950 years total. Mm -hmm. So Noah with his sons, his wife and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In verse 11, then in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So it shows us that the water came from the sky, from rain, but also there were these geysers of these underground reservoirs of water even today, of course, is a great pools. I've forgotten the word for it, but the great amounts of water under the earth. So water was shooting up from underground as well as water coming from the sky. And, uh, and this went on for 40 days. Now, it's kind of puzzling that uh, verse 11 gives us an exact date. And later on, we're going to see an exact date when uh, I think when they get off of the uh, Ark. And so we wonder, well, why be so specific about the day? Well, one, I, a common explanation for that is that, is that God wants to impress upon our minds that this was a very real event. You know, if something was a fable, uh, it would never go into such detail as that. Mm -hmm. But going into this much detail uh impresses upon our minds this was a very real event that happened started on a very specific day in verse 12 and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and so that's a lot of water raining and then shooting up from underground on the very same day Noah and Noah's sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark they and every beast after its kind all cattle after their kind every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. Mm -hmm. Those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, that's interesting. They didn't have the uh, option of opening the door when they, anytime they wanted to. Uh, God shut the door when he was ready for them to come out. God opened the door. And uh, on Ark Encounter is an interesting demonstration how that uh, comparing uh, this door with other doors. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, Jesus Christ says, I am the door, uh, or I'm the gateway, and I'm the, the door. And so it probably, God probably does mean a parallel with uh, a spiritual door. 
And um, then verse 17, now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. There probably was a lot of ma major wave action, uh, but uh, people who really understand the design of ships say that uh, this design, uh, sort of a rectangular uh, design was, and with the size of it and all that, uh, it would have been very stable, even in very choppy waters. In verse 19, the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. Now, we believe that uh, that, that is very literal, that all the mountains, in other words, the water rose above the top of all mountains. Now, that doesn't mean all the mountains as we see them today, because we believe there's been a lot of uplift and and the uh, formation of mountains even after the flood. So in other words, for example, Mount Everest might not have been nearly as high today, I mean, high then as it is today. Uh, so uh, it doesn't mean that the, all the mountains at the height they are today were covered, but all the mountains at that time were, were covered. Mm -hmm. Verse 21, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. And uh, my margin says some versions omit the spirit of. So it, it perhaps it just means all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. All that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the earth, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters receded continually from the earth at the end of the 150 days the waters decreased then the ark rested in the seventh month the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat now there is a as everyone knows there is a mountain in Turkey that is named Mount Ararat now, this says the mountains, plural, of Ararat. Mm -hmm. So it just tells us there was a mountain range called Ararat. And yeah. it may be right there. And some people think it was somewhere else, like in present-day Iran. Uh, but uh, to me, it's not important to know exactly where this was. But uh, at least it tells, gives us an idea of what approximately uh, where it it rested. Yeah, I, I was uh, in 1967. I traveled to Armenia. Uh, this is with uh, Dr. Herman Hay as a photographer and translator, and we traveled through some of the Soviet republics, and we came to the border of Turkey. And Mount Ararat actually spans a couple places, a, a couple countries, and uh, 
they pointed out to us, this is uh, what you see in the distance there are the mountains of Ararat. So whether that's where Noah settled or it was one of those mountains, it was exciting to actually see with my own eyes, you know, the location or the, the story. So it was very, very interesting uh, to, to be there and to, uh, and, and to witness that. But um, we, we don't know. Well, I can imagine. I've I've seen uh, photos, of course, and and even aerial photos of of, of Mount Ararat, and uh, it uh, is high enough that it's. I understand that it's generally covered with uh, glaciers and snow, and so uh, it could be if if the remains of the ark exist that uh, it perhaps the ice has preserved them. So uh, yeah, someday, I guess we'll know. There's something about that uh, location that almost has a keep off, keep off sign by God to be revealed at another time because, first of all, you can't just go to it. You have to have permission from the Turkish government and I believe uh, other permissions. And it's very hard to get there. And, of course, people take advantage of people wanting to go there because they know that they want to do it there for biblical reasons. And so they make it very, very difficult and expensive to go there. So I don't know. I don't know. I know we even had a little expedition planned by some of our people to go there and to examine some of the evidence that uh, some of our people had had uh, thought to be credible. Yes, I've, I've understood that the Turkish government uh, generally doesn't like people going up there and, and uh, often makes it uh, impossible because they forbid it. So um, that uh, as, as part of uh, what uh, people face when they're wanting to investigate that. Verse 5, and the waters decreased continually until the 10th month and the 10th month on the day, first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So again, we see a very specific date there. And then I'll skip the next few verses about sending out the birds uh, to get evidence that uh, there's a new life springing up uh, and so forth. And then um, verse 13 gives us another very specific date, 601st year in the first month, the first day of the month. The waters were dried up, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was very dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. And so that was uh, one year and 10 days after the, uh, I guess, the rain started. So that, uh, that's a long time, over a year. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you, bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth to be fruitful and multiply. God does like to see uh, people having children. And uh, he told Adam and Eve uh, to um, have children. And uh, during the millennium, we know there's prophecies that uh, there's going to be a population explosion. So, you know, God is expanding his family and and he, he wants to see many uh, people that can, many of them can eventually be in God's kingdom. So verse 18, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took up every clean animal and every clean bird. Now here it mentions clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So this is really impressive that his first priority was to build an altar and to honor God and, and thank God and worship God. And so that's a wonderfully 
example right there for all of us. Mm-hmm. In verse 21, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma, which is a common way the Bible has of uh, expressing how God is pleased with uh, sacrifices and, and worship. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Uh, sometimes there's a controversy as to uh, do babies and little kids have human nature? Well, to some extent, I guess they do because it says evil from their youth. Of course, we know that uh, one reason people get worse, one reason they get so bad is because of the influence of Satan and the demons who are still ruling the earth and uh we are so thankful that someday Jesus Christ is going to completely uh, remove them. And then he says, nor, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. In chapter 9, verse 1, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Verse 2, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air on all that move on the earth and on all the fish of the sea that are given into your hand. I just want to comment on verse two there that uh, it's remarkable. I see that in play all the time uh, that uh, how do all animals and even insects and birds and fish know that human beings are dangerous and to, and to run away. I, I'm, I, I think of this quite often, like when there's a bug on the floor in my house, and I start in the direction of the bug, the bug runs away. Now, how does a bug know that I'm dangerous? I, I guess God has put it into every creature to uh, run away, and that's how they they survive, is because they, they run away from other creatures, especially human beings. Self-preservation. Yeah. In verse 3, And every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I've given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat the flesh with its life that is his blood. I think we have uh, pretty well uh, filled our time. I uh, I want to comment about the rainbow. Several verses in this chapter 9 talk about how God is setting a rainbow as a sign of his covenant that he will not ever destroy the earth with a flood. And so uh, people say, well, well that uh, that's obviously uh, is... Uh, erroneous because we know that rainbows are formed from sunlight uh, being refracted through water droplets. One possible explanation, I think it's the likely explanation, is that there were rainbows before the flood because of the natural uh, phenomena, but that God is saying now rainbows are going to have a new purpose, a new meaning uh, it's going to be a reminder. From now on, I want every time you see a rainbow, I want you to think about this. So I, I that may not be the uh, the uh, full explanation, but um, it is a, a puzzle as to uh, were there rainbows before the flood? There's some things we just don't know for sure. Uh, we also wonder whether they whether there were clouds and sunlight and so forth the way we have it today are not so there's so many things that we don't know but we really don't need to know all those things mm-hmm. so i 
I think I that's all I need to cover there in uh, Genesis. I you know one one thing is, I, one thing I would like you to uh, comment on is the reference in First Peter chapter three about in the days of Noah when uh, Christ was preaching to the spirits. I, I really would like to have that. I'd like you to comment on that. Yeah, I was uh, hoping that we would have time for that, and that you would want me to comment on that because that is a uh, that is quite as interesting and significant. First Peter 3, beginning in verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he, Jesus Christ, he was the word that became Jesus Christ, went and preached to the spirits and in prison, who formerly were disobedient. When, once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. And then it goes on to make an interesting uh, point that uh, the flood was an antitype that now saves as baptism. So the flood is a type of our baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. And the removal of the filth of the flesh with the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and so forth. So what is what we think this means is that the the, uh, the one, the, the, the Son of God, the Word that became Jesus Christ when he was born and incarnated in the womb of his mother Mary, that this God, God the Word, he went and preached to demons. It doesn't say preach to people, because some people think this says mean, many people, but it in first of all, it says spirits. And who is it that's in prison? People are not in prison, but demons, in a sense, are in prison, in the sense that they are in, in prison here on earth. They can't just go anywhere they, they want to go. So why would the one that became Jesus Christ go and preach to demons? It seems like God wanted to lay the blame where it really belonged, that the earth would not be so terribly evil and violent if it weren't for the influence of you demons. So this is what I'm going to have to do because of that. And someday you are going to receive your full punishment as well. So we wonder just what did he preach? But it, it does seem like that uh, that's what it's telling us is that uh, this is something else that was going on while the ark was being prepared. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting yeah. too that uh, the subjects of baptism comes up, whole earth was flooded. It was like a baptism of the earth. That's brought into this whole equation as well with Christ's preaching, ark being built, and baptism, New Testament lessons from that story. Yes, yes, there are just so many things that uh, it's so important that we uh, tie the New Testament in with the Old Testament because so many things in the New Testament uh, give us additional understanding of, uh, of the Old Testament. At the very beginning of our podcast, you referred to uh, a scripture in Matthew 24. So let me go there now and, uh, and read uh, what you already re referred to, which is one of the, uh, the the major lessons for us today. 
So beginning in verse 36 of uh, Matthew 24, Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. B. Now, that is quite remarkable. First of all, it seems like that the, the majority of people were just completely ignoring Noah, even though Noah was a preacher. Uh, the Bible tells us that he did preach, but they were so ignoring it that uh, we don't need to interrupt our everyday lives at all. We can just uh, just assume that what Noah's warning is, is uh, rubbish and uh, we don't need to pay any attention to it. But another point here is that is that uh, some of the disasters of the end time are going to come suddenly when people don't feel that there's much of a warning, which is somewhat puzzling to me because there's other scriptures that talk about things getting worse and worse with the, you know, the great tribulation and then the day of the Lord and all that. And so I'm thinking, how can it seem like that, uh, you know, everything is hunky-dory because it seems like that Jesus is saying that so many people are going to be thinking that, oh, everything is safe and we can go on with our, our lives as normal. But that is quite a lesson that we need to think about. It certainly shows that Jesus knew that the story about knowing the flood was factual and true and that we need to learn uh, the lessons uh, from that. There's quite a bit there. The story of the apocalypse is one of the end of the age, and it's also one of the end of an age of Noah's time. There's the uh, aspects of repentance and baptism. That was what Noah was doing for a long time, preaching. Didn't have very good results, but that just shows the state of human nature and also the state of the world now. So it all has its purpose, its place, and all will come out in the wash. Well, Don, this has been just very, very interesting talking to you. I just really appreciate your kind of going over these things that we have read, but maybe have not read Genesis 6 through 8 before. And it's good to have another person just kind of remind us of the key points in it. Well, it certainly has been um, uh, fascinating and instructive as well as inspiring to me. And so I, I I enjoy sharing that with others. You have a way of teaching that is very much appreciated, and we do appreciate that, and thank you for being on the podcast. Well, you're surely, surely welcome. Okay. Well, all the very best, and we'll talk to you again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. So we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more. 